2: was all John Hammond's dream. <laughs> Hold on <to> your <laughs> Seriously?
3: Well,
1: we're back.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 253rd episode of the Jurassic Park podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. Hopefully the audio sounds okay today. I have been remodeling my studio office and it's uh currently mid remodel in that kind of state right now. I've got uh, a bunch of empty shelves behind me. The the room is sounding awfully echoey, and uh, hopefully we can get that fixed up uh, pretty soon here, but we do have a fantastic episode for you guys today, so in today's episode, we're going to start things off with a quick update from our friend Tal, who has been across the world producing content and working on a really, really awesome project, refurbing a tuk-tuk vehicle and turning it into a Jurassic Park themed ride. He's already released some really fun content around the tuk-tuk, so be sure to hear everything that he has to say about that project, and check out the video links in our show notes. Uh, After that, we're going to check in with Dakota Morgan with another installment of The Hatchery. This time around, in the segment that looks at all things animatronics, Dakota analyzes the Apatosaurus. This time around, in the segment that looks at all things animatronic, Dakota analyzes the Apatosaurus. Now, this one is a, a pretty interesting animatronic, so please enjoy his full look. At the sad, sad death of a beautiful creature and the rebirth of animatronics in the Jurassic series. So, before we get started with the episode, I'd like to take care of some quick business. Last week, uh, I've been, like I said, I've been remodeling the office here, so I did not get a chance to post a lot of stuff over on the website. So, hopefully, keep an eye out for some stuff we had intended to go out last week coming up this week. Uh, we've got some irons in the fire, so be sure to check uh, check out our website. Uh, just throughout the week or check out our social media for all those posts. Over on YouTube last week we did a toy hunt and uh, yeah this was pretty cool. I actually got to track down two books uh, from Target Uh, one of them is the uh, deluxe junior novelization of Camp Cretaceous and another one is like a young reader's book uh, comic kind of thing so go check out that video where I hunted those two items down Um, what else was that it? I think that was about it. Like I said I was busy this week this coming week I do have another toy hunt for you. I have a preview of what Tal is doing today. In this episode, you'll get to hear that exact same thing in video version and actually, you get a glimpse at some of his amazing video work and I I had to let him know personally, like, the, the video footage that he takes and everything he shoots is so cinematic and so beautiful and honestly, like, I know that's kind of the uh, intention that it, that is in this video that he posted for us. It's It literally looks like it's straight out of Jurassic Park, you know, in the, the area that he's in, in the Philippines and just the vibe of the video, go check it out. It's a really quick video on our channel, but that gives you the incentive to click those links and check out his work on his channels as well. So check out that video on our page, teasing his videos. And, uh, who knows? I know I said we'd probably get to some live streams last week, but like my, my office was in shambles. Okay. And I had no computer in here. So what am I going to do? Anyway, the computer's back now. So hopefully we can have some live streams for you. But that's enough for the intro. Why don't we go ahead and get this episode kicked off by heading out to the Philippines to catch up with my buddy Tal, the Traveling Clat.
3: Where's Aunt Claire? 7 o'clock tomorrow night on the East Dock. Make sure he gets it right. But
2: it's alive! And everyone on the planet is going to line up to appreciate it and everything done.
3: People would say they could see the fleas. Oh, I could see the fleas. Mommy, can't you see the fleas? Are,
1: are these characters uh, auto-erotic? No, no, no. Come on! What's up Jurassic friends? My name is Tall and I run a YouTube channel on YouTube called the Dinosaur Channel. You guys might know me from this podcast, I also host the Guess That Dino segment on the Jurassic Park podcast. For my full-time job, I travel the world making YouTube videos for my other channel called the Traveling Clap. And I've been locked and I've been locked down on a little island called Shargao in the Philippines for almost the last year. In the meantime, while I'm in lockdown, I wanted to work on something special. So I went out and converted a Bajaj RE tuk-tuk into the world's first Jurassic Park, Ford Explorer style tuk-tuk. I've made a video documenting the build and a full tour on both of my YouTube channels. So you guys can check that out. But for now, here's a little snippet of the journey. Let's begin building a Jurassic Park tuk-tuk. Living in the Philippines for the last few months and I actually bought myself a tuk-tuk converted it into a Jurassic Park, Ford Explorer style (laughs) tuk-tuk.
2: That looks so cool!
1: Uh, So we'll have to set down that coat of primer first.
2: Well, the dinosaurs are clearly very professional and they, they hit their marks and they always come to work on time
1: bird theory that if they were, you know how we have breathers and everything yeah it would be
2: neat if we could have these guys going oh, really fast like really really yeah that'd be great yeah. okay uh-huh. mr wizard
0: i couldn't help freak out the entire time like it was you know as if i was in front of a
2: Dinosaur. Uh, we've actually gone more practical with every Jurassic movie we've made since the first one, and we have more animatronics in this one than we have in the previous two. Look, it's not as if any of them are very experienced. For all of these dinosaurs, it was their first
3: movie, and uh, given that they're, they're new to the business, I thought they did a very good job. Hey, Jurassic fans, this is Dakota Morgan back at it again with another episode of The Hatchery. Now, on this time, we are not talking about something from Jurassic Park, you know, the original Trinity. We're actually talking about something from Jurassic World. And while there was a lot of animatronics built and then they eventually replaced them with CG, that's a whole other bucket of worms right there. But we're talking about the uh, animatronic uh, Apatosaurus head that they built for Jurassic World. You know, the one where Claire and Owen, and they kind of sit there with it as it it moves along and and stuff like that. And after the Indominus attack, and man, it's going to make me cry talking about it now. But that scene in there, the one that made us all cry in the theaters, no matter who you are, you shed some tears. We're talking about that one today and how they built it and the skin and the animatronics inside and so much more on this part of the hatchery. So before we get started, I just got to say, though, I'm a huge sauropod fan, so this one I'm actually really excited to talk about today. I like Brachiosaurus, Armagasaurus, Apatosaurus, all the sauropods. Love them. When I worked in paleontology for a little bit, I loved them then too. Love them still now. So we have to start, though, by saying all this was done by Legacy Effects. They were contracted by uh, Colin Trevorrow and Universal Studios to build this dinosaur head. So they first started with a 3D design on a computer, and when using that 3D design, they actually got a piece of foam, like a foam block, and actually carved out the apatosaurus head using the 3D model. Then sculptors came in and actually cleaned up the piece. And, you know, to added more details and went on to the foam and added even more details to it. In which case you couldn't, you could definitely see in the movie. They added a level of clay to the foam to add way more details to it. Little fact though, when they actually first made it, so with the foam piece and it was covered in clay and whatnot. They actually was asked by Colin Trevorrow himself who said, no, this is too small, you guys gotta make it bigger. So they had to scrap everything and redo it again actually, but bigger. And in my case, you know... Bigger is better, in my opinion, to be honest with you guys, because who's going to want a smaller dinosaur? Come on. And plus, that size was perfect for the actors. But in order to make time a little bit easier on legacy effects, they actually did something really quite smart. And with the power, you wouldn't, let's just be honest here, you would not be able to do this as easy as they've done it now compared to doing it back when we just talked about making the T-Rex in the first segment of the hatchery because you know time and technology improving and such like that, they were able to do things a little bit faster such as making a 3d scan out of the small one before they scrapped that piece due to the fact of they didn't know for different sizes and whatnot they didn't want to waste time so they're okay we took the 3d scan and with that they were actually able to make any size they wanted once they did that it was all just saved in the computer the modern technology it was then sent to be molded with multiple layers of fiberglass cloth and epoxy resin that then split in the halves. So meaning it was folded one side, it was split in halves down from the head to the neck. When I am talking about a mold though, it's kind of like a little gelatin mold. But it takes forever to make because they can't just be like, okay, here it is. It takes a lot of um, days and about weeks of sculpting, designing, all I process in order to do that. And then they have to make a mold around like a statue or a foam. piece or or clay foam piece or whatnot or just a solidified uh, clay statue they make the mold from that and so with the mold though they can do whatever they like and help make the final product out of what materials they need it to be so imagine it's just really like the gelatin mold but in a patasaurus and a whole lot bigger to be honest with you so once this was done though with the two halves they took one half at a time and Clay was added in the inside, so it was layered in the inside of it at first, and then it was actually fiberglass in order to, you know, help create it. Then, with the pieces of the mold, though, what they did is they put them together and they actually used foam rubber uh, material sort of thing, it's like a liquid sort of esque uh, material that takes a long time to make. It was then used to make the skin of this thing. So, you know, it's rubberized but easily malleable. You can do whatever you like with it. The paint texture is easy on it and whatnot and adjust it sort of thing. And it adds that little scaly texture to it and the dinosaur-esque skin. In order to make it more malleable, though, and like I mentioned earlier, they actually used air and they added it to the foam rubber material like the liquid. It looks like Venom. I'll be honest with you guys. If you watch the videos on this stuff, it looks like Venom. In his, without us, like the Venom symbiote from Spider-Man, it looks like that? just like without a human host, not like you know, liquidy and such. And then so air was added to that in certain areas to make it more flexible in the head area you know, so when it's able to move, it's move its neck around and such, but they actually used a thicker material to help hold it down and whatnot along the base of the neck once all the materials were you know poured in and layered in and such like that into the mold they put it together and they put it in a massive oven because of course if you're building monsters aliens and dinosaurs you're gonna want a massive oven because you don't want to make them small you gotta make them big legacy effects then wanted to pay tribute to the original jurassic park because they wanted to make the insides a lot like the ones in the first movie the mechanical inside was made of hydraulics which they were used if you listen to the last hatchery segment we did with the T-Rex. Hydraulics were a big part of how the dinosaurs were able to move and such like they did in the movies. So legacy effects was like, okay, let's make something here we can pay tribute to because they even admitted it, there was not that many animatronics in Jurassic World, despite it being a fantastic movie. So they're like, let's do something nice. Let's pay tribute to history. Let's do something really amazing. And they did. They used hydraulics, which is a royal pain in the butt. But they made it work. And in order to make the skeleton, they actually used reverse parallelograms for the neck and the head, which is a type of way that they formed the metal uh, to make the skeleton and whatnot as well, to a certain type of way that's done. Once, though, the oven was finished cooking, like a little clay sculpture in your middle school uh, art class, the foam layer was actually added to the mechanics, but with a top layer of spandex in order to ease into the skin. Because, of course, you can't just put, like, here's foam, rubber theme, boom, metal. Not going to work too well here. So in order to make it a little smoother, a little nicer, they added a little bit of spandex to it. Wouldn't have thought that, but, you know, chemistry and physics. And, of course, they wanted to be able to add more animalistic characteristics. And, you know what, actually, personality, I think, would be a better term. So they wanted to add more personality to the dinosaur head because you're going to be seeing this thing up close. You're going to be feeling with it. You're going to be crying with it. The actors want, well, they don't want, Sometimes they want, sometimes they don't. But they need to be able to, you know, react with the same. If it's just like, meh, they're, okay, well, how are you going to be able to act with that? So they wanted it to breathe in certain ways. And, of course, you know, lip movement and everything like that that we saw in the final product. So what they did is they actually used air sacs to give motion of swallowing. So when it's taking it's gulps and whatnot. It's actually air sacs that they put into the uh, mechanics and whatnot inside underneath the skin. One of the things they wanted to do to add more sadness because, you know, they wanted to break our hearts with this dinosaur. They really did. When they were talking about building the eyes and whatnot of this scene, it was actually really hand-painted in different ways and layers. They actually were requested to add human characteristics to the eyes because, yeah, why not in the tears? Now, the final paint job on this guy, you know, there was a grays mixed with a few other things as well, and it was actually going to be green at one point in the concept art. And then later on, we got the green and whatnot with promo art and Fallen Kingdom. I believe there was a green one in Fallen Kingdom. Don't quote me on that. But the paint was done with actually a rubber cement-based paint. You know, with an automotive airbrush that was used to do fine detailing. So it was the same airbrush you would see when someone spray paint on a car, right, inside of a garage. It's like pff, pff, with the with the mask on, everything like that. That's what they used to spray paint it, which makes sense. It's an industrialized thing. You're not spray painting with a spray cam because that would be terrible. But so the paint itself was like a rubber cement sort of thing, rubber cement based. And for the skin color, though, what they're aiming for was something kind of like the sounds that they later on used, and I described it in the book, which we'll get to in just a second. The skin color was based off of a mixture of elephants and rhinos, so that little gray, the plaques and whatnot in there, the shadows on it. That was the animals they based off of for the Apatosaurus. Once the paint dries, though, all the mechanics are tested. The lip movements, the air sacs, the hydraulic systems, it's all tested in the studio. They take it out to the field like they did, and the last part of this animal's journey came with You know, rehearsal on set. And then they started the filming. And then after that, I believe Colin Trevorrow owns this in his shop or wherever he lives. And that's how they built the Apatosaurus head. But let's be honest here. We talked about it before. Sound makes and breaks these animals. They really, really do. These dinosaurs, we know their sounds. And we heard a bit of the Apatosaurus in Fallen Kingdom and in Jurassic Park. They even, or not Jurassic Park, Jurassic World. Uh, They actually, in Jurassic World, we heard it. But it actually sounded familiar because they actually reused and fine-tuned a little bit. Not too much, though, the Brachiosaurus sound. but Because in Fallen Kingdom, they actually had the Brachiosaurus in there, so they're like, okay, we need to create something new. And it was based on what it was in the book, which was elephant sounds. So they fine-tuned a bunch of elephant sounds like you heard in the beginning, And that's what they used to make the Apatosaurus. Because in the book, in Jurassic Park the book, the Apatosaurus was actually in there. And they described it as having elephant-esque sounds. And so they actually brought that into light, which was really cool little fine detail that only the hardcore Jurassic fans that probably listen to the podcast would be noticing sort of thing. All the work combined here creates the iconic head that we know from Jurassic World. The iconic scene. It blows us away. We were in the theaters. I know we all were. And we were just blown away at how realistic this dinosaur head was and how amazing and emotional it all felt. And now you know how they brought this beautiful dinosaur to life. All thanks. Now we have to give credit to Legacy FX and all the men and women over there, all the artists. So many people put so much time and effort into making this dinosaur right. You know, the, the Easter eggs in there for nods towards the original book jurassic park with the animatronics and the hydraulics inside so much nods and so hopefully you guys enjoyed the little segment of the hatchery sort of a shorter one compared to the others but i wanted to talk about this because of course you know we're gonna bounce in between all the movies and such like that and i figured you know what let's talk about jurassic world the one animatronic that we actually got in there while there was a lot of puppetry that was later replaced with you know vfx and all that jazz or added to or vfx added to the puppetry there was the animatronic and we love talking about the animatronics in the hatchery maybe one day we'll talk about the vfx maybe one day but instead right now in the hatchery we're talking all about animatronics thank you guys for tuning in and stay tuned for more fun stuff on the jurassic park podcast and if you guys want to follow me you can follow me on twitter at dakota morgan 3 or at dakota underscore morgan 97 on instagram stay in touch with all the jurassic photography i do you know, comics movies all that sort of stuff i do and i'm blessed to work it thanks everyone for tuning in and catch you next time in the hatchery Thank you so, so much
0: for listening to the 253rd episode of the Jurassic Park podcast. Thank you uh, so much to Tal for sending over the audio. I know he worked incredibly hard on his videos on his two channels, the Dinosaur Channel and the Traveling Clat. So please, please go watch his videos. Like I said, they're extremely cinematic. He is just super masterful at, at creating uh, YouTube videos and documentaries and everything over there. So if you're not already subscribed to him, please go do so. Um, and also stay tuned in the coming weeks. Uh, the upcoming few weeks we have some already stuff booked. But uh, some stuff already booked? Uh, how about that? Yeah, and uh, after that, hopefully we should have Tal on to discuss this in in depth so we can find out exactly what went into this Tuk Tuk build, as well as uh, hopefully some other Jurassic topics as well, so we can talk about all kinds of stuff uh, in an upcoming episode. But thank you, Tall, and also a huge thanks goes out to Dakota uh, for another great installment of The Hatchery. I love this segment so much, it goes so deep and analyzes things only... Jurassic Park fans could love, I I guess. I mean, there, there are so many fans out there of animatronics and, you know, visual styles and dinosaurs in general. I think this could be a pretty wide audience, but I just, I love the fact that we are all here so interested in finding out about, you know, how an animatronic was painted, how, you know, they made the sounds and everything for these dinosaurs, and I love that about this segment. It really gets to the heart of everything and specifically this you know this dinosaur uh there is so much heart and so much feeling behind that thing uh you know when the characters interact with it 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 just needed that emotional punch that, uh, you know, got us through Jurassic World. So thank you so much to Dakota for sending in another great segment. But that is about all I have for you guys today. Thank you so, so much for listening to this one. Uh, Make sure to stay safe out there, everybody. Make sure you're all voting. Everybody who has the ability to do so, please get out there and vote. We'll see you guys all next week. We have the Jurassic Wire coming up, so stay tuned for that next week. And now I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to myself for the outro. Thanks, everybody. Saddle off, Let's get this movable feast underway. Please give us a follow on Twitter, at Jurassic Park Pod, and myself, at Brad Jost. Also on Facebook and Instagram, at Jurassic Park Podcast. Don't forget to join the Jurassic Park Podcast group on Facebook. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So please be sure to subscribe. Also, don't miss our toy hunts and reviews, in-depth bonus content, live streams, gameplay, events and theme park coverage, and so much more on our YouTube channel. If you haven't already, please leave us a 5-star review on Apple Podcasts. We will read your reviews at the end of every episode, so please be sure to spare no expense. Don't miss us on the web at JurassicParkPodcast.com, where you'll find today's episode show notes, wonderful articles, bios from our contributors, and so much more. If you want to get a hold of us, you can fill out the contact form on our website or email us, JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. We're always looking for new segments, contributors, mailbag submissions, or anybody who just wants to say hello. Feel free to call our voicemail line at any time to leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening, and enjoy.
1: Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now.
2: Okay, team, listen up. We've got a new predator on the loose. Not you, Blue. The predator we're talking about is the coronavirus. Coronavirus. I'm gonna help you spot the main symptoms in the wild. First, watch out for a high fever. Second, a dry cough, like this. Third, trouble breathing. It might even sound like this. Whoa, whoa, back up, Blue. Don't forget about social distancing. Keep at least six feet away from anyone you don't live with. Good job, Blue! We all have to be extra vigilant if we want to beat this virus. Even if we don't have any symptoms. That means always protecting ourselves and each other. Because this virus, it's invisible. It's made up of germs just like these. It could literally be anywhere. It attacks our bodies. Oh, Blue! Hang on, Blue. Drop it. Drop it. It's okay, girl. It's okay. Which brings me to my last point. Always wash your hands thoroughly for at least 20 seconds with soap and warm water. No! Oh. Hey! come back here! Remember, we're all in this together. Teamwork is our best defense! Blue, blue? No! Don't eat the soap! Drop that right now! Should oh. be burping bubbles for a week!